0: Are you a venture capitalist, family office, or about to launch your own angel syndicate? Then this week's sponsor could be your next trusted partner. This episode was produced in cooperation with Leva, the leading platform in Switzerland to set up and manage your SPVs and syndicate your deal flow. Leva allows you to set up SPVs from your computer in just five minutes, starting from as little as 1,000 Swiss francs. As you know, SwissBener runs its own syndicate, and we've been using Leva since our first deal. We couldn't be happier with them. If you're currently setting up your syndicate or structuring your club deal, we recommend you to check out their website, www.leva.pe. That's L-E-V-A dot P-E. And contact the team
1: for a quick demo.
0: We're not at all saying that it should be all about, you know, social aspects and environmental aspects, because let's face it, I mean, the financial aspects, all these these other um, variables that you just mentioned, they are just critical because otherwise the startup doesn't work. It can't scale, it can't grow and so on, and uh, it won't be able to raise funds. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Ansuya.
1: Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us today here at the Swisspreneur Studio. Thank you very much for the invitation. So, Christina is a project manager at Levo, developed at EPFL and currently hosted by E4S. Levo is a methodology and an online platform that helps entrepreneurs and investors assess the sustainability and impact of startups. Exactly. So, this is a really cool platform. Uh, you know, I checked it out uh, when Sylvan sent it across to me. And we're super excited to dive into it and what you do and what are the goals and plans uh, with your startup. So let's get into it. Christina, you got your master's in sustainable resource management. And this is a little bit of an unusual study to do back in 2013. So how did you get into this topic back then?
0: Well, I think... It started a bit earlier already, so I've always been interested in sustainability, even though I think back then it wasn't really called sustainability. I was interested in nature and I got really concerned about environmental degradation, um, but I didn't really know what to do about it. So it was more like a broader concern and interest, but as an individual, I had no clue what to do about it. And then I met one night in a beer garden randomly. I'm not sure, like in Bavaria, you know. There's this like rule that you squeeze with as many people as possible on a table (laughs) and you start talking to random people. And those turned out to be entrepreneurs who had just founded a company, a um, sustainable energy startup. And this was the first time I also got in touch with entrepreneurship and, you know, sustainable entrepreneurship and this connection. So I wrote them an email at night at home. Next week I started there as an intern. And this is really how I learned about the potential of entrepreneurship for really tackling sustainability. And basically from then on, it was all kind of, I don't know, afloat. It was just, it, it came all together like naturally. And uh, I was still like not figuring, not like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So I worked at this company and they were reached out by the university who wanted to conduct interviews with them. And basically what they did, they said like, okay, you can conduct an interview with us, but you give Christina a place in your study program. (laughs) And that's how I ended up there. It was really like random, um, but it was the perfect combination for me to figure out like how to link this all together. My work in a a startup that was really working towards Mm -hmm. sustainability, my studies really then focusing, learning more about sustainability and then also doing some research on that that is intersection is it's all it came all together. All the pieces kind of fell together.
1: That's 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 a great start, right? Usually these kinds of stories always start with something just falling into place and uh, not necessarily you chasing after it. Like exactly. just just being in the in the right places at the right time with the right attitude. Exactly. So Already then, I mean, uh, you mentioned you were interested in in sustainability, you were connected with nature. Where did the entrepreneurial drive come from?
0: Well, as I said, it was really learning about these entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I had never thought about that. So in my bachelor's, yes, I had had a course on entrepreneurship. Actually, it was super abstract for me back then. Like even the word, I was making fun of it. I was really like, what is this? What is this supposed to mean? But then when I saw, when I got like, the chance to experience it hands on, I realized for me, really, entrepreneurship is one of the most powerful tools that we have to tackle Mm -hmm. um, societal problems. Maybe the most, uh, most powerful tool that we have. So this is really when I started to get interested, but then I also saw there are many like barriers for them still. It's really difficult. Like They really face challenges in mm-hmm. leveraging their potential. So that's how I got interested in also doing more research on it to understand how I could help them.
1: OK, wonderful. And then, uh, basically, you went on to do your PhD, and you continued as a research associate at EPFL for four years before you started Levo. Uh, Were you that time aiming for an academic career? Well, it's tough. Um, That changed like a couple uh, of times every day still.
0: (laughs) So now I did my PhD on sustainable entrepreneurship because it really back then in Munich still, um, because for me, it was really a good combination of, you know, working with entrepreneurs, but then also, you know, like really using these insights to produce knowledge that can Mm -hmm. be used again. I was always unsure. I mean, I have this nerdy side, really deep diving into topics, thinking for hours and hours, staring at a page, you know, like building models and so on. But then on the other hand, for me, this all doesn't make sense if you don't get it out Mm -hmm. and people don't use
1: it to actually do something with it and generate something good with it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, basically you started Label, right, in 2019. Um, after your work as a research associate. So how did this idea come about? Well, it was still, I mean, I did the first
0: three years of LIVO as a researcher still. So it was really in 2019, I was working as a postdoc at EPFL Mm -hmm. and still focusing on these questions. So basically what I was asking myself Um, was on the one hand, how can entrepreneurship be used to tackle societal problems? But then also kind of the other way around, how can startups integrate sustainability Mm -hmm. from early stages on? So not later on when they run into problems, but really Mm -hmm. starting as a sustainable or now we call it responsible business from the beginning on. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, we were approached by a group of venture capitalists um, who had done a workshop, a session together, And those were not impact investors, they were like normal investors and they were really thinking, okay, about what role do we actually play in society? And they came up with the answer that they have a role in society to contribute to something good, not just to, you know, generating revenues and exactly. And, but then also they realized. They had no idea how to really go about it. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone talks about it and there seem to be so many frameworks out there, so many approaches right. and so on, but it's really difficult to figure out what to use, where to start, how to go about it. And they were kind of lost and they they approached us um, and we said, okay, we give it a try. I mean, we, we see what is out there, what we can do for you. So for a year that was back then, also together with the, the organization Start Global in St. Gallen, we set out to do a big market analysis. We spoke to all different kinds of actors, figuring out, you know, like, what impact and sustainability measurement frameworks are there already? Mm-hmm. Why are they not used? Why are they maybe not useful for um, entrepreneurs or for investors? Like, maybe more for other types of, of ventures, like NGOs, social businesses, and so on. And we really try to understand everything, also understand what is actually measured because people measure many different things. So that is super confusing. It took us over a year to get an overview, to really understand it. And then from there, really building a methodology on like, how could we now use all these puzzle pieces that we have connected to build something that is useful for entrepreneurs and for investors. And that's how how it all started.
1: Excellent. And this methodology now—it's—it's it's so highly researched. You know, you did it part of your uh, research associate work, your PhD work. Um, does it apply to all kinds of startups at this point, or do you have to tweak it still?
0: No. I mean, we had to find a balance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you build something that is. Um, really useful, uh, supposed to be useful for everyone, then it also means it's not perfect for anyone, you you know, like this is the balance. Like either you say like it's for a really specific type of entrepreneurs, let's say, you know, those with already an impact focus versus versus Mm -hmm. those who don't have the impact focus at all, or you say it's for super early stage versus later stages. it's it's for med tech versus education, I don't know, like the industry. Um, so, of course, you could design something that is perfect for each of these specific types. But our goal was really to develop something that works for every entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And at Livo, we're not saying we are the best framework for everyone out there. It's just that it functions. It's really useful for any kind of startup and it's easy to use. So it's kind of the, the low level entry mm-hmm. that every startup can take. And then later on, the startups can figure out, do we want to use additional tools with it? Do we want to, I don't know, get B Corp certified? Is that maybe a a next step that we can take? But Livo is really the basis that works for every kind of
1: startup. All right. And this year you also got undertook uh, by E4S, uh, which is the Enterprise for Society Center. So how did this uh, collaboration come about? Yes. So as I said, I mean, it
0: started as a research project. Mm It was always like really hands-on and practice oriented, but at one point the methodology was developed and then we were extremely lucky that EPFL, the chair of entrepreneurship um, and the the former vice president of EPFL, Mark Gruber, he believed in the idea and he gave us money to implement it into like, to really turn this into a platform. Mm -hmm. And this was another year we spent on the development of the platform, really working with professionals because also for us, it was important that it's, you know, it's it's sexy, it's nice to use, it's fun to use for the startups and not really right. complex. And then after another year in 2020, we had developed the platform and it started to, to to work and startups were using it and we realized, okay, now we need to take this to the market. You know, we need a business, we build, we need to build the business case around that. And I mean, yes, I'm an entrepreneurship researcher and so on, but also I can't, or we can't do it all ourselves. Um, I mean. Also, just because, uh, yeah, it's too much to do. Um, And luckily then we got in touch with E4S um, and especially with Tech for Impact, which is one kind of unit um, of E4S. And their um, big value or their their vision is really to activate change. Mm -hmm. So that means they want to take really practice oriented research projects from the university and provide them with the knowledge and the network they need in order to really go to the market and bring it out. And that's uh, where we thought, okay, this is a really cool opportunity. So we were lucky and we were, yeah, we were taken over by them. And for now, the idea is really for, yeah, at the moment, Livo is mm-hmm. incubated there, but really then also, of course, with the goal,
1: um, yeah, to spin it out as soon as possible next year. So that that's actually very critical uh, part you know of like having the right support in the beginning and it's really gr- great that institutions uh, support this having the the same values which obviously e4s and Tech tech impact also have um, for our listeners out there, uh, you know as you said that a lot of the startups and investors they, don't exactly know what it means to be a sustainable business. So what is it that Levo, like how do you define uh, a sustainable business? (laughs) Yeah. So that's a really good question and a really tricky
0: question, obviously. Um, So I guess my answer has like two parts. So first of all, we don't really speak of a sustainable business anymore i mean i use now the term sustainable entrepreneurship just because it's a common it's a common term mm-hmm. but when we speak also when we when at livo we we prefer the term responsible business because responsible for us is kind of an umbrella term mm-hmm. because at livo we look at two different things so first of all it's the external impact that a company has so this is really the question how does your product your service everything you produce all your outputs Um, affect, first of all, your customers and your users, and then on a higher level like society and the planet. So this is often linked to the SDGs and this is really this impact that everyone talks about. And that's one important element. And of course, the goal is to produce as much positive impact as possible and reduce the negative impact. So it's really about this net impact that you you created. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, that's not enough. And also, that's also why I don't like much these labeled, you know, social entrepreneur versus like non-social entrepreneur or impact entrepreneur versus, I don't know, finance-driven, egoistic entrepreneur. I don't know. Because also not every business model is made to generate giant impact and, you know, contribute to the SDGs. And that's also okay. So there's a really important second element besides the external impact, which is the internal operational sustainability. So this is the how, like how the business is run, mm-hmm. like all your operations. And this is often like linked to ESG criteria. So environment, society and governance and criteria. And it's really behind the scenes. Like, what do you do? What kind of resources do you use? which, How do you treat your employees? And so on. And they are, they are really, I mean, they are different things, external impact and operational sustainability, but they are for us, two sides of the same coin and then together, that's what we call responsible entrepreneurship and the goal for us is not to become a responsible business or a sustainable business because that doesn't exist. I mean, realistically, same as yeah. you know, not the perfect uh, sustainable human doesn't exist. Because by the just by, you know, like getting up in the morning and making yourself a cup of coffee, you're not sustainable. So it's not about, you know, this dream of becoming this green unicorn company because it's just uh, like unrealistic. And then we often see that entrepreneurs, that don't do anything because, you know, it just seems so impossible to become perfect. Mm-hmm. That's why they just lean back and say, well, we can't become perfect anyway. So we don't do anything. We don't even try. So for us, it's really responsible means looking, like really, you know, taking a look, where are we standing, doing the assessments Mm -hmm. and then thinking about what can we actually improve, what is realistic for us also to improve within the next year, and then we do it again and so on. So it's this continuous improvement, both regarding like operational sustainability and external impact that we consider as like responsible entrepreneurship.
1: So I have a lot of questions now (laughs) coming up uh, from this. Uh, So the first one I want to know is uh, you mentioned that, uh, you know, a a lot of the companies, they don't, they can't also look at the external part of it. Uh, Do these companies approach you or how does the, how do you kind of close this gap? Because there could be startup founders, investors who don't exactly know as you mentioned what they need to be doing yeah and would they be the ones who would then come to you or would you go to them well for now we are in a really lucky position that they
0: come to us (laughs) (laughs) i hope this stays in the future no i mean we are lucky because i mean there's a Really, really big demand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's not only for, I mean, some entrepreneurs approach us for intrinsic motivational reasons. I mean, they just want to, you know, improve their companies, understand how they can get better. Mm-hmm. But then let's face it, I mean, more and more investors are inquiring about it, more and more customers are interested in it. Um, it's super important for talent um, attraction and retention. So, like, understanding how sustainable you are and how much impact you generate has become really inevitable for all kinds of startups. I mean, you can't
1: avoid it anymore. So you don't see like as only a particular set of startups coming to you. It's it's basically the whole no. range. Not at all, not at all. Okay.
0: And it's super interesting because I mean, we work with a lot of startups that are or consider themselves as like being rather far And interestingly, there often in our assessment, we find some, you know, like weak spots, like really black holes where we're like, okay, maybe you should take a look at this. And then we have other companies that are totally like far away from sustainability or impact Mm -hmm. and have never really thought about this. But then they take the assessment and we see like, wow, they, you know, the way the venture is built, it's actually already quite sustainable Mm -hmm. and also with their product they are having an impact that might not be intended, but actually, you know, it's an unintended impact, but it's still an impact. And it really helps them to identify these and then also use them in their communication and in their in their fundraising, for example.
1: Okay, so. wow. So my second question is um, regarding, you know, you, the operational part of uh, assessment. There you mentioned that uh, you look at different aspects like the well-being as well of the employees, how they're managing the company internally. Do you also look at it from the tech point of view? Like what kind of tech stack they have, they're deployed on the cloud, you know, where is that, what is the consumption? Yes, so that's all considered. That's really all. This is part of the
0: environmental Mm -hmm. part of the assessment. Um, exactly, it's like how um, how much uh, cloud do they right. like, need, where are they located, the energy consumption. This is all um, parts of it in the environmental assessment, because this is also something that is actually
1: quite easy for entrepreneurs yeah. to change if you are aware of it. Exactly. And because also now there's a lot of talk, uh, you know, about ethical technology, ethical design, as well as laws that are coming up because of tech makers, lawmakers um, on uh, privacy issues. Yes. So th- it's these are all very relevant, hot topics. And, and I'm assuming that you also try to cover, cover yes. these. So all
0: the data um, safety, like GDPR compliance mm-hmm. and so on, it's all covered in the in the assessment because this is really what I said, you know, it's not only about the type of product that it has, mm-hmm. that you have, and the effects it then has on users and so on. It's really about the how, like, how did you produce this product? How is it, you know, the materials you use and, yeah, for tech, like the, the energy you
1: use and and so on, like all these, these different kinds of things. And do you measure, like, because a lot of the companies, they also want to, you know, see how that impacts other areas of their business, for example, you know, productivity of the employees or how much they feel uh, like they're contributing to a company that has certain kinds of values. Um, Is there a way to, after setting some of these uh, frameworks in place, uh, measure uh, different outcomes? Well, I mean, it's something we encourage the startups
0: to do themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, like really also involving their employees in LIVO, in the process of LIVO, you know, like showing them the results and saying, okay, we have to set goals now because LIVO is really about you take the assessment and then you set your goals. And it makes a lot of sense to involve your employees. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we encourage startups to, I don't know, measure it in a way or another, like really Mm -hmm. hard measuring or more like, you know, by speaking to the employees about it, Um, but also then within LIVO. I mean, we're not selling any of the data. The data is like fully, yeah, I mean, we're not giving it out to anyone, but of course it's still, so Livo comes out of research and again, we use the data to do our research. So ideally a company goes through Livo every single year. So you set your goals after one year, there's a monitoring and then you re-enter the process, you take your assessment again, you set new goals and so on. And that's data that we analyze. Mm-hmm. So we can see, for example, okay, the company has improved, I don't know, on these dimensions and they have actually, you know, like um, reduced also, or not so many people quit or, you know, they were able to to increase the diversity rate. you know, like these things. Mm-hmm. And since, I mean, we have quite some companies running through Levo, um, we hopefully in a couple of years um, can make really like solid claims about really how setting certain types of goals then also affects um, the performance of the venture.
1: So this does this mean that now, you know, companies can basically look and measure success differently? Mm-hmm. Because up until now, you know, mostly companies just focus on traction, traction, or user engagement, how much revenue they're making. Um, and that has been the driving force also for e- the economy as well. Uh, do you think that this is going to change? Well, it's at least our big hope. Um,
0: it's it's really funny that you asked the question this way, because this is really one of our main goals, or this is really our vision when someone asked me. Um, it's really challenging the notion of success, mm. challenging mm-hmm. how success is defined for startups. And we're not at all saying that it should all be all about, you know, social aspects and environmental aspects, because let's face it, I mean, the financial aspects, all these these other um, variables that you just mentioned, they are just critical because otherwise the startup doesn't work. It can't scale, it can't grow and so on, and uh, yeah. it won't be able to raise funds. So we're not saying like, you know, kick them out and focus on something else now. But for us, it's really success should be defined as an entrepreneur's like ability to combine financial aspects with social and environmental aspects Mm -hmm. to balance them, um, but ideally also to use sustainability, like to use social and environmental um, aspects in a way that they contribute to the financial success. And this is really something you need to be really smart, like to how to go about
1: that. And this is a skill that should define um, entrepreneurial success for me. Definitely. I feel like, you know, as a humanity, we've spent so much of our time and effort just focusing on certain aspects of of what we think it means to be successful, which has now led us to this situation we're in with all of these problems we have with climate, with mental health and, and so on so i I definitely feel like uh, what we're doing here um, is is so important, and I hope that levo is is really the driving force for this. Yes, we hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one question I want to ask is um, you mentioned that there are companies that come in that have no you know idea. About sustainability, and they're also in in probably a, a place where they're not doing many things correctly. So, depending on this stage that they're in, uh, where do you start with assisting them? So, what is the, sort of the first kind of key topics that that you choose for for such companies?
0: Well, kind of the process is always the same for any type of type of company. Um, they run through the two assessments and mm-hmm. uh, they get some recommendations. And they get even a more specific list of recommendations based on their uh, on their strategic goals. And then they set goals for themselves. So this is the same process for any kind of, any kind of startup. But what is important in Livo is that we decided not to give any score. Because first of all, giving scores leads to comparisons that are often not mm-hmm. meaningful. And second of all, scores are super discouraging. So if you score, I don't know, 9 out of 100 in the beginning as an entrepreneur, you might feel like... I don't know, you know. I put this away. Like <laughs> I don't want to communicate this, and I don't. Uh, you and know, I'm this... too far behind. Exactly, probably. and yeah. I can't do it anyways. And you know, I mean, why would you tell anyone? Hey, I did an assessment, and I scored nine out of one hundred. I mean, it's not really the best advertisement. Right. So that's really not what we want to do. Because the thing is, the fact that they score nine out of one hundred is not because they're bad people. I mean, not necessarily could be but uh, <laughs> but not necessarily in most cases that i've seen this is not the reason it's just because they just started and they mm-hmm. are concerned i mean i mean setting up a company you have to think about so many different things of, uh, at the same time you're facing crazy resource constraints you're super worried about you know how to pay your bills at the end of the month mm-hmm. i mean come on you can't be perfect it's it's not your first priority and i like this is totally clear So that's why at Livo we really give them an understanding of those are all the topics that are eventually important. We try to teach them that it's important to think about some of them early, Mm -hmm. early on, but it's also then important for the entrepreneurs to understand which are the ones that matter for us now. And it can be, you know, out of the 50 topics that we give you, it's okay that you focus on only two of them at the beginning. But you should think about, you know, which, which two of them are important for us and which can we really do giving our, our resource constraints. Mm-hmm. And we're really, so I said, we're not giving them any, any score. So what we do is on all the dimensions, you get kind of an evaluation just telling you if you are basic, intermediate, or advanced.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you're basic, that doesn't mean that you suck. It just means that you just started. Yeah. So then the idea of LIVO is to say, okay, now you know you're basic. So now
1: let's take a look on how you can move to um, intermediate. And for companies that are, let's say, a part of a bigger corporation, so there are like sort of these child companies under a bigger umbrella. Do you evaluate the bigger corporations as well in this process or are you focusing primarily on, on the company itself? For now, we're focusing primarily on the company itself. I mean, we've been reached
0: out by also some larger corporates who wanted us to, you know, work Mm -hmm. with their companies. Um, It is something that is super interesting that we definitely want to do in the future, but for now, also given our resource constraints, um, we need to focus on something, we have to try to be good in something. And that's really the, the small units and the small startups at the moment.
1: And do you think that uh, this can also help in in changing certain policies that are in place and governance that is around these topics? Yes, definitely. I mean, there are many questions and answer
0: options related to policies. Mm-hmm. We're also now more and more trying to not all, only tell them that, you know, it could be a great idea to establish a policy, but also, you know, give them an idea of how such policies could look like. Right. And I really think that Levo helps like changing policies, putting in place policies, because you have this narrative, you have these, like, you know, you can explain people why you do it, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not doing it to harass you and to, you know, like make your life more difficult. But, uh, you know, it's much easier when you can tell your employees, I mean, this is our big strategic goal, this is how sustainability, how becoming more responsible will help us reach these goals and a policy is Mm -hmm. one element that we need to put in place in order to reach these goals. And I mean, that makes it much more comprehensible.
1: Um, mm-hmm. for the employees because l- law in itself right uh, is, is so slow in, yeah. in building you know the, the right kind of uh, rules and regulations to set in place for a lot of topics that concern technology or environment um, do a lot of these startup founders uh, come to you and say oh this is not actually a legal requirement so why should we set this in, as a policy for our company Surprisingly, not so much because we see a lot, a lot, a lot
0: of pressure from employees. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I mean, they need their employees. That's their (laughs) most valuable resource. And uh, so most of the time, it's really not about legal requirements. Mm -hmm. It's much more about pressure from the employees or that they ran into a problem and they now want us to, you know, help them figure out how to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. For example, when it comes to diversity, I mean... You hired 30 men and now you have difficulties hiring a woman. Well, (laughs) not so surprising, Um, but legally when, I mean, it happens sometimes that we have companies telling us, well, you know, but we don't have uh, these X amount of employees yet, so legally we're not required to do that. And I'm always saying, yeah, but I mean, are you like aspiring to grow or are you like, is your goal to stay small? I mean, Mm -hmm. and if you're aspiring to grow. Then it's much smarter actually to put these things in place now instead of, you know, having a completely different structure and then having to go through a really, you know, like challenging change process afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you already bring your employees on board now, you make it part of your DNA, um, you hire people accordingly in line with all these policies that you put in place and you will actually avoid a lot of, you know, um, yeah, worrying and, and so on later on when it's legally required.
1: Okay. And what is the investor's take on on this topic, like with Lavos framework?
0: Um, It's funny. I think uh, we're going through a big change in mindset when it comes to investors. And for us, it's really interesting, but also challenging because I think at an awareness level, most of the investors, they're fully on board. Mm -hmm. They understand it matters. Same as the entrepreneurs, some of them for intrinsic motivation, motivational reasons, others for, you know, just, you know, because also they have to justify like, you know, how sustainable their portfolio is and so on. Right. Um, But then, of course, also then they lack the knowledge about it. I mean, this is not their core knowledge. Mm -hmm. So they really need to rely also on someone telling them, okay, you know, this is what you need to focus on. Um, And I think. We're also doing a lot of educational work there because, I mean, also investors are super busy people and they really, most of the time, I really believe them that they want to take care of it. They want to take it into consideration. But please, it shouldn't take more than 15 minutes, you know?
1: (laughs) And it's always like, yeah, well, (laughs) you know, this doesn't, it it will not work like this. So That's the sort (laughs) of investor personality, right? They're used to these quick pitches they don't want anything to take more than a few minutes of their time. Exactly. And that's
0: a bit the problem with sustainability because financial performance, you can nicely break it down into, you know, like five, six, seven. I don't know. You choose your 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 key variables, your KPIs that you want to look at. You measure them. They are hard measures. And mm-hmm. sustainability is A, much more complex and B, very often like much like softer and more qualitative. So dif- more difficult to assess. So we have these discussions with investors about, you know, really telling them if you want to do it right, you will need to invest a bit more time than these 15 minutes that you were willing to give us uh, Mm -hmm. into it, because otherwise it's just like greenwashing, you know, it's just you do something, it's super superficial and, you know, you do it just to check a box, but it's meaningless. And then it's really, I mean, this is like maybe our nature as researchers, we really say, okay, but then don't, you
1: know, we don't want to be connected to that. Mm -hmm. It's the integrity of things as well. Exactly. Are we at a point now where, uh, you know, fo- founders, entrepreneurs can go into a pitch meeting to investors and put these aspects also into their pitch deck? Yes, we are. And I mean, we
0: have now gotten feedback from some entrepreneurs who have done it, mm-hmm. who have really, you know, copied the the results of Levo into their pitch deck. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, we are at this moment where it's still easy to overperform, you know, because also the investors, they might expect something, but, you know, doing Livo and already putting it there and saying, hey, we've done our homework is something that can be quite uh, impressive
1: also and leave a good impression. Great. So this is a good uh, point for our listeners to, to keep in mind, to also start incorporating this if they haven't already into their pitches. Yeah. Uh, what about the climate change deniers out there? How would you go about educating or making this information more understandable to people who are outrightly denying things that are you know, happening in the world?
0: Well, I think the real deniers of like, big dynamics as climate change... I'm not sure if I'm the right person to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) convince them. And I'm also not sure if LIVO has a a chance to do that. Um, I think that's tough for these people. I would really just say, you know, read the research. I mean, 99% of all studies uh, agree that uh, it's human made and and so on. So for the real climate change deniers, I think uh, we can't do much. At least that's not our main goal. Mm. But then for the people who believe that sustainability is expensive, And Mm -hmm. annoying and additional burden and so on. That's more, I think, the type of audience that we can, Mm -hmm. you know, convince to change their minds. Because it's really not that we're saying, you know, it should be social against financial, as I said. So it's totally fine that you still believe in finance and your hard numbers. And that's your main focus. So it doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. just about, you know, like integrating the two and really understanding how much and it's really crazy to what extent being sustainable nowadays can really contribute to the financial side of your venture. I mean, I said it now mm-hmm. already, like, you know, with the customers, with the employees, with like, so Definitely. many different things, you can't neglect it anymore. So I think it's more there where, where Levo comes in and, and tries to, to show them that it pays off. And in the end, honestly, I don't care why you do it, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but It will pay off for you and it will also then pay off for the
1: planet. So it's a win-win. Let's also talk about, uh, you know, another term that is quite widely used these days, which is the circular economy. What does that mean and how does that tie in with responsible slash sustainable business?
0: Yeah, I mean, circular economy is a super important concept in in sustainability. I mean, closing the loops Mm -hmm. and so on. This is a really important like approach to sustainability creating a more like more sustainable production and consumption systems um, but it's only one way of doing it I mean there are there are many different aspects other aspects to sustainability like all this the sur- yeah. social perspective and so on that is not covered um, in in this idea of, of a circular economy so I would say a circular the circular economy is one really interesting pathway and if the startups choose you know, that this is the one they want to focus on, mm-hmm. then Levo can help them also to identify how to take the first steps. So we do ask questions like, you know, um, do you have set goals towards circularity, you know, to like closing the loops and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's one option that we give them, but it's one out of many.
1: Right.
0: So, okay.
1: Yeah. And how has the performance of Levo been uh, so far? <laughs>
0: Um, so, it has been developed with really many, many, many startups and investors now who have gone through it, who have tested it, I mean, over four years now. Um, at the moment, we are really at a stage where, I mean, many people reach out to us. We're still at the, at the like the stage where we have to finalize the product development because we've done the latest rounds of user testing, especially with investors who told us, you know, if you're supposed to use this, this is what we... Want and this is what we need to see. So we are in the process of finalizing, finalizing this, and then it's really about rolling it out to mm-hmm. the to the market and scaling it because it's a bit also what we hear from our own supporters and investors. It's a bit like a the winner takes it all market. Mm-hmm. So either you are the framework. I mean, we see it with B Corp. Um, mm-hmm. It's the framework all around the world, and our goal is really in the next year. To really scale it on a Swiss, German, French market and then really establish it as a, as, a, as a standard, like worldwide,
1: hopefully. And for scaling it to other markets, is there a lot of tweaks that need to be made or does, is it something that can be applied all over?
0: Well, luckily the external impact assessment can be applied really independent of the context mm-hmm. and also the goal setting. The operational sustainability assessment In most parts we can keep it, but then of course, there are some things, you know, like the legal things like uh, maternity leave or like these questions that we ask, because of course we have a box where they can say we follow legal requirements, but of course that means something completely different in Germany versus in the US or in Switzerland. So there are some small tweaks that we will need to
1: make, but uh, yeah, in general, it's not so complex. Okay. And what are individually like your plans for Mm -hmm. for next year and going forward? So, of course, I mean, LIVO
0: is uh, my my startup baby and I really want to get like stay as closely involved as possible, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also taking a professorship and entrepreneurship at the University of Geneva um, by the end of this year. So I have a bit like a dual role Mm -hmm. then. And it's also, well, it will be a balance, <laughs> it will be a tricky balance, um, I'm sure about that. So we're currently expanding the team, onboarding new people who will then also take over the lead and
1: really well develop Livo further. And uh, well, Excellent. Let's see. and so right now, uh, primarily Levo is funded with E4S and EPFL as well.
0: Yes, so it was E4S who made the no. It was EPFL who made the first the first investments. Now it's E4S. We have we got some really um, generous support by La Vaudoise, mm-hmm. the insurance company, who believed in in the project and are really funding uh, quite a significant part at the moment. Um, but then next year we really uh, yeah need to think about a different investment strategy. This is like ongoing at the moment.
1: Okay. Great. And for our listeners, is there any resources, books, podcasts, anything like that, that you would like to recommend or gadgets that you use? Yeah. Well, of course
0: I recommend uh, (laughs) logging into (laughs) Livo. No, the thing about Livo is it's for free. Like really the Mm -hmm. use of Livo is for free. And as I said, it's designed to be educational. So even. If you don't want to go through the entire process with your startup, or if you don't even have a startup, you can just, you know, like log in, you Mm -hmm. create an account and at least the operational sustainability assessment, I think is just something that can be interesting to just click through, to learn about the different aspects that matter when it comes to sustainability and also the answer, like see the answer options. And Mm -hmm. because often entrepreneurs tell us, can we get a copy of the answer options just because, you know, this is like food for thought on what they could, could do next. So... Some, uh, some well, that's address. an excellent resource
1: to, <laughs> to know that we can just go in and, and read about it. Exactly,
0: still. exactly. So, um, some some advertisement for ourselves, but <laughs> I think it it really it it really makes sense. Um, Besides that, um, I always, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit a classic example, but I always encourage people to go to the website also of Fairphone. I mean, they have not used Livo, but there you can really see how you can use this in your communication. Mm -hmm. Because they, Fairphone really has this idea we don't have to be perfect from the beginning on, but we are super transparent with our customers, saying like, we took a careful look, we know where we're standing, and this is how we're going to improve. Um, and you can really see for them how it's paying off and how they use it. So it's always for me inspiring to see how they report also. I think many startups can learn a lot there. And then when maybe one last thing i want to I want to recommend, just because I think it's um it could also show the entrepreneurs out there why they should care about it. It's a new magazine from Germany, I think it's called uh, Flip. And they do some research, really. Investigating the sustainability claims of startups. So they are uncovering the greenwashing. And they have had some really big, you know, stories where it really backfired for some startups. You know, they made these sustainability claims, they were not sound, they were not based on real data, wow. and it can really backfire. And I think there are more and more of these magazines and these like efforts from journalists, mm-hmm. but also, you know, all different kinds of actors coming. And customers, employees, and so on, they they, they, they start to be smarter and smarter. And they start to see the wrong, like Mm -hmm. false claims that you make as a startup. So I really would recommend this as a resource just to, you know, see what could happen if you don't do it soundly.
1: Thank you for these recommendations. I'm personally definitely (laughs) going to check these out. So thanks a lot. So this brings us to our last segment of the episode, which is the (laughs) rapid fire round so, are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your biggest ecological sin? Oh, my biggest ec- ecological sin
0: chocolate. <laughs> A lot.
1: <laughs> but do you like really focus on buying now fair trade chocolates from farmer from co Yeah, corporate? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the thing. For
0: other kind of uh, food, yes, yeah. I do. For chocolate, no, I have my favorites and they're not sustainable.
1: <laughs> okay. okay. Academia or entrepreneurship?
0: Never only one of them. I'm too nerdy for entrepreneurship <laughs> and too practice oriented for... Well, I chose academia now. Yeah.
1: And going forward, would you be more taking in the role as an advisory, probably, or do you still want to be hands-on operational with label? I still want to be a bit hands-on operational. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what do you wish you did more often?
0: Be in nature, not doing anything, not looking at my phone, and really like not like disconnecting yeah. from things. And I'm really bad in that.
1: What do you wish startups, companies did more of? Huh. Assessing their sustainability. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, taking
0: the time to, t- to take a look at, mm-hmm. at this and uh, it takes half a day and it's really mm-hmm. paying off. Where do you go to recharge? Hmm. On my sofa, being at home and really
1: for this, uh, being alone at home yeah. on my sofa, actually. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for this uh, very insightful interview, and uh, we're very happy to have you here. And hope to see more of Levo doing wonderful things with in the startup community.
0: Yes, we will work hard to do that. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation again. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.